Welcome to Anna Musing's fun and fancy-free podcast of the future. Bits of the future? Yes, it is. And there is not a natural material to be found anywhere in this podcast. You sure about that? Note the clean, crisp white walls and the rounded architecture. Okay, so maybe Tomorrowland wasn't the best analogy for this, but... Um, it, it actually is kind of... I like the way you said it. Well, I was trying to... I really wanted to get the inflection down for the uh, Monsanto House of the Future that used to be there. Yeah. Yeah, but that's fair. Um, you did good. I'm surprised. I, again, it's it's been a while since it was there, so... Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's one of those things where, um, you know, when I was younger, I had the Disneyland Forever CDs, and I, I still have the audio somewhere. Aww. So, oh my god, that's really adorable. Well, they played back. I would listen to those, and I got, I wanted to, you know, Disneyland voiceovers were a big inspiration for me. And so you get this, like, followed by the, you know, immediately, do, 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 <laughs> Yes, the plastic's home of the future. Um, I just felt like that was an apt analogy, considering um, that was a shallow attraction in this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Well, either way, welcome to Anna Musings. I am your host, David King. And I am your host, Kayla Berry. And together, we talk about cartoons like adults. Because what's more adult than watching a animated feature from 1947? Is that what we're watching? I, I think I did name drop the title. Yeah. My <laughs> spiel, so. So we just uh, watch Fun and Fancy Free, which is what we'll be reviewing, and it is the fourth of our packaged film series. Alright, we've gone over the, the hump with uh, with Make My Music, which I really did enjoy. I did too. Um, and then we come to Fun and Fancy Free. So, um, I have some opinions about this one. Yes. Um, some of them good, some of them not so good. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, I mostly, I, obviously we're going to talk about what the film actually did, what it accomplished, maybe what it didn't accomplish, uh, in our opinion. And then, obviously, this is an opinion show, but we do want to talk about the history a little bit here. So, um, Before we go into it, I, I there is a history with this, actually a stronger history than there was with Make My Music. Which is interesting, considering I think... So I'm going to say right now, I think Make My Music is a deeper... <laughs> despite being an anthology piece, I think Make My Music is actually a deeper piece of media than fun and fancy free. I completely agree with that. Um, so the, before we continue, also, um, I should say fun and fancy free, unlike uh, the first package films, um, this is just two stories. Where right. Make My Music had like, what was it, like seven? Yeah, there was quite a few. Uh, this focuses on only two. And... Mm-hmm. Um, even though it came out in 1947, the both both uh, stories. So I probably should should I just say who, what they are? Yeah, might as well. Okay, so um, we have the first story, which is Congo, which is about a bear. Con- Congo. Bongo! Wow. Congo Bongo is an island from Donkey Kong Country, <laughs> <laughs> the television series, which we will not be talking about on this podcast. Um, the, the first story is Bongo, which is about a circus bear that escapes into the wild. And then there is Mickey and the Beanstalk, which is basically Mickey in the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. And, and Donald and Goofy. And Donald and Goofy, yes. But really, it's not about them. It's about Mickbert. Well... Mickbert Mousebert. Um, the expert. Despite this film coming out in 1947, the ideas for these two stories began in 1940. Really? Both the stories? Mm-hmm. Wow. So, actually... Both segments were supposed to be full-length feature films. Really? Yeah. Wait, I have a really hard time picturing the story of Bongo as a full-length feature film. Um, well, Mickey and the Beanstalk, I can see more being a full feature film. Well, both were supposed to be in the same vein as Dumbo, where they were planned to be kind of cheaply made. but So just like shorter... Like, like Dumbo, Dumbo was fine... I mean, it didn't have, you can tell it doesn't have nearly, maybe same, the budget, or the, not effort, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I get what you mean. But basically, it was supposed to be, like, its own film, but a much shorter, they were supposed to be much shorter, but, uh, than the normal film, but still full-length feature. Right. Uh, this didn't happen, um, because at this same time, if you remember... Uh, we had the writer strike, right? And then not only that, 
uh, World War II happened, and a lot of the animators went to war. Yep. This is the, uh, the and that had long-reaching effects, because this is still persisting well into 1947. Mm-hmm. The war is over, but... These were being produced during the war, and therefore they're only coming out now, so... Yeah, they were put on hold. Um, actually, uh, uh, they, it, it was in development hell from 1941 to 1947. And it was only until recently they just decided to make it into a package film. Mm. Now, um, I should let you know okay. that... Um, I'm not going to say what the reception was, but it did well enough at the box office that it received um, enough money to actually finance Cinderella as well oh. as, uh, as well as other films like Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. Did it do better than Make Mine Music? I think they did about equal. I think like these package films in general helped to finance these bigger films. I figured, yeah. This is this is such an interesting like I didn't even think about this when we started this but this is such an interesting period of Disney history of, yeah. of, of the Walt of the studios history because when you think of Disney you think of these uh, very specific kinds of movies especially yeah. it's animated films and we're getting something very different for at least six films in a row um, so by you know I feel like I should be used to that by this point but it's still kind of jarring to like go into this and have have it be like and and keep in mind I have seen years and years ago I did see Fun and Fancy Free like the whole thing well, but this is sort of revisiting this is very different so like especially now that we have the context of what is going on so um with with three other package films behind us having viewed those some of them for the first time it's like I can I I'm seeing this through a different lens. Same. Now I I think we might want to save our uh, the reception. I I want to know what people thought of it, but we why why don't we save that till the end? Yeah, I was also gonna I'll talk about the history of each segment as we go into them, like just before we go into them. Okay. Um, just to give an idea of why they this idea came about. Why was it going to be a full length animation feel? Uh, why it was going to be a full length animated feature film mm-hmm. and. Not only that, um, what were the ideas behind it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right, right, right. Um, we might not be as detailed in this particular one because um, there's not as much to talk about in some cases. Although I will talk about, I'll, pro- I'll probably, as I usually do, lavish the bits that I really enjoyed, and mm-hmm. there were bits in here I really, really enjoyed. Um, now, uh, the framing device for it is um, basically through the lens of Jiminy Cricket for the most part. Yeah, so Jiminy Cricket comes back, and we haven't seen him since uh, Pinocchio. Correct. So this is, the, this is the first return of Jiminy since then, isn't it? Yes, it is. Actually, here's the funny part. Um, so you know the song that he sings, Fun and Fancy Free? Yes. Uh, this this song was actually supposed to be sung by Jiminy Cricket in Pinocchio, but then they decided to drop it. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm. I don't blame them for dropping it. It's not a terribly interesting song. <laughs> I don't even remember it that much, honestly. Is that why they still had Jiminy? Do you think it was out of necessity? Because it seems like, based on what you're saying, these were ideas that were sort of put on hold and then they were kind of dug up for the package film. That's... Do you think they also kind of dug up this sample song they were going to do there and like, oh, we might as well use it here as our basis? Because thematically, the framing device is really kind of all over the place, I think. It is. Well, the idea behind it is they call it fun and fancy free, but it the, the stories don't match with the whole fun and fancy free feeling. Uh, Jiminy certainly matches with the whole fun oh, and yeah. fancy free. I actually do like the little beginning where he's riding along in a what appears to be like a garden or whatever, but mm-hmm. I think it's like... He's riding in a leaf and sailing along and singing his little song, and eventually he comes into a, um, he enters, like, this, this house. Yeah. And, um, and Cleo's there, too. Cleo the goldfish. Yeah. It's straight up Cleo. And it's good to see her again. Figaro, there's a cat, but that tries to menace him at one point, but it's not Figaro. It's, we're like, Figaro's too kind. We're like, oh no, we're back in Geppetto's house, and apparently Figaro has a (laughs) new brother. Help! Apparently, uh, Geppetto's also gone modern, at least uh, in terms of 1947, because it's a nice house with a lot of modern amenities. And apparently, Geppetto's also into fiction with really negative titles. Because <laughs> there's something about, like, like, uh, like a memor- memor- 
I cannot remember the titles for the life of me because we we watched this and we moved on quickly. I should have written them down, but there was something about like the somethings of melancholy, yeah, and, like just all these titles with like heavy stuff. And, and Jiminy just talks disparagingly, like, "Well, I'm sure, I'm sure some people like the heavy stuff, but I'd like to keep things light and fun and fancy free." And um, <laughs> that's a good impression. Thank you. Um, uh, I mean, I try, but uh, but then he finds. Uh, uh, as sung by Dinah Shore. Dinah Shore. Which is... Oh, can, can we talk about the newspaper he finds really quick, which is all oh, bad news? Oh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> weird and kind of prophetic, because it's like all these things about society is about to collapse, and like, the ocean is literally going to gobble up civilization. It's... And I think to myself, hey, is this newspaper from modern day? Because like, you know, climate change is kind of an issue with some... <laughs> I mean, well, the funny part is that also he's like, yeah, just ignore it. Bad stuff will always happen. It's like, maybe we shouldn't, you know? Yeah, I was sitting there going, Jiminy, maybe these are kind of issues, man. Like, maybe you can live your life fun and fancy free, but you are a cricket, a.k.a. a grasshopper, and you spend all your time, you know, just screwing around while the ants are busy preparing for the worst. Guess what happens during the winter? <laughs> oh, wait, that was another Disney short, but it might as well be Jiminy in this situation. I know, seriously. No. I mean, I don't mind. It. Here's the thing. I shouldn't be so hard on it because it's like, it's 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 a cartoon. It's supposed to be lighthearted and fun. There's just, I feel like, and it's not like every piece of art has to have a message or say something, you know? No. But, but, this-, but this is such a weird statement. Just like, Man, you worry about things too much. Just be fun and fancy free. Jiminy, what if I can't be fun and fancy free? What if circumstance what if what if my dog died or something? Don't, Don't say be that. Fun. Aww, she, look at her Sorry, our dog. Gracie Gracie is here. Our dog Gracie. And who is named after Imagineer, yeah. Yale Gracie. Because we're nerds like that. Yeah, we are nerds. And she's right now on my lap, like being a cute monger. Mm-hmm. Asking me to pet her. Yeah, so if that anything happened to her, I'd be like Jiminy, this is a really bad time. I need you to go away. <laughs> you have no conscience. <laughs> but basically, he's like, let's listen to some music. Dinah Shore. Dinah Shore. Which I find hilarious because it's Jiminy Cricket saying the name of a actual modern real-life singer. Yeah, Jiminy, Jiminy is a cricket with a surprising amount of longevity, mm-hmm. honestly. He's lasted a long time, and he's just randomly visiting people's houses, bumping into sad dolls and sad tech. The fact that that fairly adult-looking doll goes, Mama! was kind that of freaking was, me out yeah. a little bit, too. Although I find it funny that the bear actually growls. Yeah. It's a teddy bear. Well, we do have, yeah, that's true. So we do have Dinah Shore, and she's narrating our first short, which is uh, Bongo. Okay. I think it's just called Bongo. Yes, it is just called Bongo. Bongo. So, uh, before... Come on out, Bongo. So, before we get into uh, Bongo, um, I or talk about the, the Bongo story, it Before actually... we talk about the Bongo story, let's address this snarly dog. <laughs> actually, that's what they... You can probably hear her, so... Gracie? Gracie, sweetie, we are trying to record a show. But you're being so adorable. So yeah, so you're, the, people are just going to have to put up with your shenanigans. What are your thoughts on this short, Gracie? Okay, <laughs> good. Well said. Okay, so Bongo was actually inspired by a story written by Sinclair Lewis, which appeared in the 1930 issue of Cosmopolitan. And actually, Bongo was suggested to be a prequel to Dumbo. Intra- really? Yeah, they were actually going to have some of the cast from Dumbo appear as like supporting characters. So it's supposed to be like... Um, basically set in the Dumbo universe. So it would have been the same circus from Florida. Yeah. Oh. That, you know, that actually, <laughs> that kind of would have been neat. Considering how, how frequently, especially in later years, uh, Disney, the Disney company did sequels and prequels to things. This would have been a first. A real No, that's not true. Saludos Amigos. No, Three Caballeros is technically a sequel to Saludos Amigos. So yeah. that's already happened. But... It's only kind of a sequel in that it's a different film. But the, the fact, if you think about it, this was supposed to be come out in, like, this film was actually started being developed in 1940. It could have easily came out before um, uh, Saludos Amigos if it weren't for circumstances. Yeah, that's true. Bless, Bless you. you. <laughs> so that's interesting. So so this could have very easily been an in just an in-universe. That's cool. 
I could see Bongo being part of that. I wondered why it was a circus and why they didn't have any references to Dumbo, but that makes total sense. And uh, after this, actually, it was adapted to Disney Comics. Um, and uh, uh, although he Bongo was never a major star, he appeared in a few stories, like in the 1950s and 60s. Okay. Um, and then also uh, made, like, guest appearance in... Um, this uh, little bad wolf series as well. Oh, interesting. Uh, the last time he was seen was in 1979. Bongo is one of those forgotten Disney characters who ended up in Warren Spector's Wasteland. <laughs> God. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? That's a deep cut there. Oh, man. Uh, we might we might just for fun for Animusings Plus, I know it's not strictly, but it might be fun to just have a discussion about Epic Mickey. Oh, God. But, I wanna, I, that would be like uh, a special special. That's a special special. But, um, I mean, that's, and that's a whole, another kettle of fish. But anyway, so we have Bongo. Um, He's a bear on a unicycle. Who performs the same routine every night. As Dinosaur tells us. A big star at the circus. Um, he juggles and on top of a high wire. He jumps all the way down from a high platform onto a sponge with a great cartoony (laughs) sound effect. You know, that, that great stock splort sound effect and but the problem is uh he is not too fond of his life because um they basically they they wash him and then they put him in a cage and he feels the need to leave and go into the wild i wish to go to the wild (laughs) um yeah so he's feeling the call of the wild he's living as dinah as dinah says uh he's living in a gilded cage so one day he's on the circus train and um the call is too strong. The call is too strong. Other there's ghostly bongos that are going, "Come on out, bongo." And then he shakes the door of his cage to the point that it actually opens. Yeah, it's surprising. The lock, the padlock gives way and he's free. Um and then he manages to roll off of the train on his little unicycle and there he is in the woods, and he's just having a great time at first, just meeting all the other animals, and there's a song. It's the first song in the thing, other than the fun and fancy free song. I can't remember. I don't really remember. Something about the, I love the countryside. Yeah, the, honestly, there is songs during this section. I can't remember. Yeah. Except for one, I which I can we can get into. We'll get into that, because it's just a silly song. Yeah. Um... It's all right. So then he's he's chilling out, and then night starts to fall. Um, and I, I did say early on, hey, we're going to go over this briefly. I'm sure that if you love this short, more power to you. Um, um, I enjoyed it. It was fine, but it wasn't like one that really jumped out to me. Yeah, there wasn't much of a... Sp- okay. it's, stuff happens. Like, the part where I got kind of interested was when it, night fell, and for some reason Bongo couldn't sleep because he was hearing all the insects. Just and suddenly there's like all these different bugs around and they're make and the, for some they're they're tiny. I guess he's used to a he's either used to the noise of a railroad car or a quiet circus tent or a cage because suddenly a, a thing eating a leaf is like grinding in his ear. There's like a leaf cutter bug that maybe an ant. It's not an ant, mm-hmm. but there's these big cartoony bugs and one of them chops down a blade of grass and it sounds like a tree falling with a tremendous crash and Bongo's just freaking out. And it's cold and he has trouble sleeping. And then it starts raining and he has to run. Oh, there's two... Oh, by the way, there's a part early on that I thought was interesting. Uh, he tries to climb a tree and oh, he yeah. fails and he's still on his, kind of on his unicycle. There's two chipmunks that are kind of poking fun at him from the tree and they have little chatter at each they other. sound kind of, I think they might be predecessors to Chippendale. Now, do you know when Chippendale came around? Because I, I certainly don't. I can get that for you. All right. The power of the internet. So, but they, they seem like uh, early early ancestors of our of our dear Chip and Dale. Uh, one of them does not have Dale's voice nor nose, but they both have the Chip voice. You Actually, know? not predecessors. Really? Uh, they were, um, as, uh, their first appearance was in 1943, but they weren't referred to Chip and Dale until 1947. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, they were in Private Pluto. Okay. And then, um, yeah, they didn't have the names up until uh, the first film, which is called Chippendale. Oh, should we should we talk real quick about some of the names we saw? I feel like we're, we've gotten bad at 
saying some of the you know the usual suspects who were involved in these movies. I definitely saw some familiar names that jumped out to me during the opening credits. For example, Ward Kimball, uh, Iwerks, Mark Davis. Mark Davis. I know that is this. This isn't the first time we've seen Mark Davis, right? No, he's popped up quite a few times. Yeah, but I'm just. I'm. It's weird because for some reason I didn't notice him so much. Yet from the very beginning, super background veteran Claude Coates. There he is. Hi, Claude. Um, Les Clark, the original, the first of the old men. There we go. Or the nine old men. Yeah, the, exactly. He was there, and then of course um, uh, Harvey Toombs. We've yes. seen him a few times. So there's some cool. There's some cool credits in this movie. Um, anyway, but but Bongo. So Bongo, he's he. Um, He's going around, and there's a storm, there's rain and lightning, and, he, and the lightning is very specifically trying to kill him. Uh, by the time he gets through this whole ordeal in the night, he wakes up in the morning, and he's like, I did not get any sleep. Um, and he's like, now I'm hungry, and he tries to catch fish in the river. That doesn't go very well. It's funny, there's slapstick in this, but I didn't laugh. It's not, it's weird. It's like, and, and, and Dinah Shore's narration is fine. Yeah. But I think that the the story itself is not as compelling. And Bongo, he they go for laughs, and but I don't, I it didn't speak to me very much. That's why I'm kind of going, just going, yeah, 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 you know, it's like beat for beat for beat for beat. So um, I wasn't feeling this really. And then he misses up catching a fish, rolls into a waterfall, and we get the girlish laugh. And there is Lulu Bear, Lulu Bell. Lulu Bell. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So she is a bear, and you can tell she's female because she's got those big cartoon eyelashes and the little flower in her hair. And he's immediately in love, and she's in love with him. There's a song that follows, which I- they're like cubs. They they need to learn better. <laughs> they're very tiny bears. But yeah, there's a there's an entire uh, surreal dream sequence that goes on for what like three four minutes. Yeah. Which- yeah. I, now, normally I'm okay with this sort of thing. Yeah, I love the surreal stuff, but it just felt so pointless. Well, well, it's good when there's an analogy, but these characters have known each other for two seconds, and suddenly it's like, love, 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 love. There's a song about, I hope this dream, this isn't a dream, and this dream is real. And there's a couple of funny little Cupid bears that show up that have cool designs. And they you can tell the animators are having fun with this section. What, now, one of the things I did bring up to you was um, the background's gorgeous. But yes, the anima- in this movie. But the artwork for the characters themselves is very bland. There's nothing that compelling about the uh, the character there's designs. There's no in this. shading, there's no like extra details or anything like that. Really, it's very like one color for the whole bear, one color for his jacket. It, it's very it's there's it's obvious that they didn't put as much effort. Well, were they still doing this one on a budget? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, these were all low budget films, and which I totally understand. But I don't know. It felt like this felt lazier than Dumbo. Yeah, Dumbo. Well, Dumbo. Like I wouldn't say Dumbo was lazy. Dum- Dumbo had good animation, and it was just it felt. When I said it felt more like a classic cartoon, just stretched out. That's just the way the the art actually looked. But the but it had compelling character designs. Like you remember what the characters from Dumbo looked like. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, let me put it. Let me rephrase it. This felt lazier than the Mickey and the Beanstalk. Which yeah, Mickey and the Beanstalk. There's effort. Well, there's I can I can I'll tell you right off the bat. Uh, Mickey and the Beanstalk is what sells the movie for me. Same, same. Uh, so Bongo and her fall in love, but then there's this case of misunderstanding. Uh, well, first and foremost, we meet our villain, who is this huge bear named Lockjaw. Actually, it's not Lockjaw. It's not Rockjaw. Uh, <laughs> Keep guessing. I, this is funny for me. Mock jaw? <laughs> Diana clearly says something jaw. It that sounds like awk. You're you're on the right track. Clock jaw? <laughs> Mock? Lump jaw. Lump jaw. Lump jaw. No, no, no. Let, this, let the silence hang for a second. Wait. Lump jaw. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, Lumpjaw. Lump, funny enough, Lumpjaw actually appears as a villain in stories with Chip and Dale later on. Interesting. He's actually a regular in their series uh, until 1986. Oh man. Okay, I was gonna say as we were watching this, this short. Um. Oh man, we have a villain 
who shows up for a change. If there is some sort of dramatic scene and this character falls off a cliff, yeah. we can finally, finally tick the plummet counter up. Now, I don't know if it, longtime listeners may remember that back in our very first episode, I started the plummet counter. Yes. Anytime a Disney villain plummets to their doom, and it actually is doom, the character needs to be implied to have died, then uh, I tick the plummet counter up once. Uh, we only have one on the plummet counter so far, and that is the Wicked Queen. Correct. Who was struck by Deus Ex Lightning and sent to her death at the bottom of a gully. Uh, we know she died because the vultures came circling. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, uh, well, let's just say this is what I had in mind, and I was waiting for something to happen. So let's see what this fi- this short says about the plummet counter <laughs> as we get a little further in. So we have Lumpjaw. He's yeah. a big old... He's a big old bear. To I'm point, not sh- to the point where it's like he doesn't care what's in his path. He just walks past trees and just it, it, it just like they all fall apart from him as he moves through them. It's like nope, I don't care if it's in my way, I will move it. Lumpjaw is the leading cause of deforestation in this area. Yes, so so and he's got his sights on Lulu Bell. But then Lulu's like, no, this is my guy. So then she slaps him and. <gasps> And all the other bears are like, oh, man. And Bongo's Bongo's like, what? Why would she do such a thing? She slaps him three times. Well, she tries to. She tries to slap him. She's like, seems offended. And she tries to slap him the third time. Bongo ducks and she accidentally slaps Lumpjaw. And he's like, yeah, score. (laughs) So it turns out that (laughs) in fair language... Slapping someone means you like them. It's the equivalent of kissing. And then there's a song that falls suit. It's a good thing they had that song or Bongo would have gone away depressed and never seen Lulu Bell again. Yeah, so basically Bongo's like, I don't understand. Maybe it's something I don't get. And then he looks from a distance, uh, uh, like I guess on a cliff, and sees these bears singing and dancing about... uh, Oh, a bear likes to say it with a slap, 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 slap. That, um, again, this is kind of eh, eh. But I mean, it, it, of all the songs in this one, this is the, the uh, of this short. This is the one that's actually memorable. Yeah, it is kind of catchy. If you're happy and you know it, slap a bear. If you're happy and you know it, slap a bear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's basically kind of how it sounds. That's the idea. If you're happy, you want to. You want to settle down with your favorite grizzly or gazzly? <laughs> Only for bears. Please. Only for bears. If you're a bear, please do not. Okay, please do not slap your. <laughs> please <laughs> don't. That should go without saying. This is for bears. Okay, so uh, Bongo realizes his mistake and decides he's going after Lulu Bell. Yeah, he realizes. Oh man, she was so into me that she slapped my face, and, and all bears are into that sort of thing. So. And I think this is probably the best scene coming where he actually battles Lumpjaw. Well, th- yeah, this scene is great because he comes at it with complete and utter confidence. He's the he's using all of his circus know-how to like roll around in his unicycle and constantly flummox Lumpjaw in this like battle of brains versus brawn. And it's just, I mean it it ends with them falling over a uh-huh. a waterfall. A waterfall. A waterfall, which is kind of like a cliff, just with water going down. <laughs> now, we were both like plummet, plummet, but then Lumpjaw survives. You, you see him just get swept down river. He's yeah. not dead. No, he's just carried away. So that's a no go. He's not a dead bear, which is, I guess, this would be kind of that would be kind of dark for a short like this, which has mostly been upbeat and lighthearted. You know, mm-hmm. even Lumpjaw, he's not a scary villain or anything. No, he's, he didn't deserve to die. He's just a big dummy. Yeah, he he's, just he's a big possessive dummy. He just thought, oh, she likes me, so he tries to uh, basically be with her, but then gets into a fight. As Dinosaur said, he wanted very much to be her boyfriend. Aww. <laughs> but then Bongo ended up with Lululville, and... They're very cute, and they do that thing where they climb to the top of a pine tree. Each of them, the t- trees lean together and make a heart, and they touch noses at the apex of the apex of the heart. So that was Bongo. That was Bongo, and I think we've already said how we feel about this one. It's all right. Yeah, it's... It's fine. It... it, it... 
I, I've watched so many better cartoons from Disney. It's kind of yeah, it's disappointing story wise for mm. sure. Well, this is where things get weird because <laughs> next we jump over to the house across the way. We find out this so, this this ha- the room that Jiminy's in belongs to a, a young girl named Laura Luana Luana Luana. Yeah, I again I had to look up these names. Okay, yeah, it's hard because again. And, and she's been invited to to the house of a ventriloquist across the way. He's having a party. And actually, this is a very famous ventriloquist. By I the way. figured he must be because I have no idea where he came from. I don't know. And I, I, I but I knew I figured he was a famous ventriloquist so, of some sort. Uh, I mean, maybe people know who this is. It's um, Edgar Bergen. Edgar Bergen, yeah. And actually, he is a was very popular ventriloquist. Uh, he had his uh, own radio show. Okay. And actually those... How do you do ventriloquism on a radio show? That was the idea. Basically, it sounded like he used different voices to be talking to different people. Oh, so it was just a one-man show. Yeah. Okay. And then... Um, <laughs> no, I definitely have a puppet here with me, you guys. There is definitely a puppet here. So, uh, Bergen was actually surprised, and I got some information here, uh, Bergen was surprised that Disney wanted to bring him in, because the reason why Bergen became successful was because he incorporated, like, risky humor and double entendres into his dialogue. Oh. And these were actually considered very daring at the time. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what made him humorous. They were like, whoa, we didn't expect him to say something like that on the radio. Oh, man. And then that would have been a no-go for Disney. (laughs) And obviously, he doesn't do that on there. So, in this one, you actually see the two puppets uh, that he has, or that have appeared on the radio show, which is uh, Charlie McCarthy... And Mortimer Snurd. Well, he certainly looks like a snurd. <laughs> Mortimer. Oh, he, he talks like this and his teeth stick over his mouth. Oh, he's kind of a dumb guy. But you know, I, I think he talks uh, like this. <laughs> and Char- Charlie's a smart aleck. <laughs> and it's interesting because Charlie, I guess he looks like that typical dummy that he feels... scares feels, me. He looks like what would be the basis for like the creepy dun- dummies later on, except he has like circular uh, glasses, so it kind of... He might as well be slappy. Yeah, uh. with, with glasses. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, they're not that bad. I um, I mean, he's doing a, like, a little hand puppet show when they start. And the puppets, the, the, the part that's creepy about this... Okay, follow my logic here for a Okay, second. go for it. The part that's creepy to me about this. Um, how old is Luana? I'm going to say she's probably like 10. Okay. Or 11. We'll go with that. She's there by herself with this guy and his two puppets, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, he's probably he's a perfectly nice guy, so I can let that slide, okay? It's 1947. People aren't like we as weird about that, maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, having a 10-year-old unsupervised with a man with puppets, <laughs> but... The puppets are talking by themselves. Like, when they cut back to her, she's sitting on the couch with Charlie, and Charlie apparently is just talking by himself unanimated. There's no one behind him doing the puppeteering, so it's supposed to be like they're alive, even though invariably um, uh, there's he's, doing, he's voicing all the characters and clearly doing the, the puppetry, but there's occasions where he will sit down and you'll tell he's doing he, Suddenly now he's doing the puppet. You'll see, like, on occasions, yeah, where you'll control the puppet, but... Uh, I'm not what? saying I, I don't get the idea, but it's just it's just weird the, to the in the context of this. It's like oh, clearly when he's not there, these puppets are alive. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Ah. Okay. okay. Now here's the thing I've realized about this. Uh, Edgar Bergen is really good at controlling the puppet. Mm-hmm. He's good at doing the voices for the puppet. He cannot do the like closing his mouth part. His lips do. Move. You can see it. You know but, who's a really great, like, puppet ventriloquist, though? What? Like, when I think about it? Who? Sherry Lewis. Oh, she's fantastic. Have you ever seen? Like, you see her do do I, I her characters, up, and yeah, yeah. I grew up with Lamb Chop and uh, Charlie Horse and... Uh, Hush Puppy. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Wa- I watched those all, all the time as a kid. Yeah, so, so did I. But, I mean, you'll you'll look at Sherry, and you'll realize that she, like, you you can't see it. No, it's not at great. all. I kind of want to go back and look, but like it, she's a she's a flawless ventriloquist, no, I think. Uh funny enough when uh, Edgar Bergen did see this, he was very disappointed. He's like, "I didn't know my lips moved that much, but he was a radio right performer." Right. So the, it, it's <laughs> like he didn't it, it, that didn't have to figure, but it's interesting like 
he has puppets, but they're not seen on the radio play, but he knows how to control them. He just doesn't know how to, like, close his mouth properly. He's been doing radio way too long. He, yeah. He's out of practice. Mm-hmm. Now, it just, like, again, not knowing who this guy is out of context, it just seemed kind of odd. But now I understand that, you know, in the period, he was if he was that popular, then he was a good choice to have in this. Oh, yeah. And he does a fine job with what he's got. Uh, by the way, so Jiminy, by the way, I almost forgot Jiminy. Jiminy's here, but he doesn't do that much. He's just kind of a casual observer. Yeah. And and to be honest, Jiminy's just kind of a backseat vehicle in this story. Like, if Jiminy's in here as the host, you'd think he would do more. But he doesn't. No. Jiminy's just kind of there. It feels... that it, It's it, weird. It adds to the randomness of this short. It doesn't feel connected. Yeah. It keeps... When he goes into this world, it feels like... They just decided to throw in Jiminy last minute. He's popular, mm-hmm. and well, I mean, it's nice. It's nice to see him again, but he's not doing what we. It, he's he's just there, being happy-go-lucky. Jiminy Cricket is this. I think there was a period for a while where, in various shorts and things, Jiminy was kind of the host for a bit because mm-hmm. he's a you know he's a iconic character in his own right. But here he's just kind of. Again, he's observing. It's just a weird choice, I think, to have Jiminy there but not have him do that much. Especially during this point. Um, so, uh, Edgar Bergen decides to um, tell the story of Mickey and the Beanstalk to this girl and the two puppets. So now we get to the part that is important, and that's the animated, the second animated segment, which is... Oh, and by the way, Jiminy, Jiminy's doing his bit when he's... Sometimes he's in there moving around through real environments, and that's, again, the use of you know animation and live action being put together. Um... It does. It's not quite as good as Song of the South. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. You can tell a lot of effort was put into Song of the South with that. In that oh, regard. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we get to Mickey and the Beanstalk. So uh, before we get into this, um, this one also has a fun history. So Ooh. it's 1940, and um, they're in production of Fantasia, mm-hmm. and an animators, Bill Cottrell and Teehee. Oh, our old friend Teehee. <laughs> I know. Uh, he they decided to pitch this idea of Jack and the Beanstalk for with Mickey and the Gang. So they pitch it to Walt, and Walt just bursts out laughing. And Walt loves this pitch so much. He's like, "Guys, guys, you gotta hear this! This hear this pitch!" And he's laughing, and they're like, "So what do you think?" And Walt's like, "Oh God, no! We can never make this." Oh. He said that would murder his characters. What? Really? Yeah. Walt. So he loves this pitch. He's like, oh my god, this is amazing. So you'll do it. Oh god, no. <laughs> Eventually, they, of course, they were able to talk Disney into it. So he got gave him the go. And instead of, it was actually going to be called The Legend of Happy Valley. Okay. And then production began um, in May of 1940. Uh, now... Originally, it was actually going to be Sterling Holloway who was going to be the narrator. Oh, no. I know. I mean, nothing against Ever Bergen, but, like, Sterling Holloway, is he's been a champ through these last few. And especially after Peter and the Wolf in the last one, I was going, oh, my God, Sterling Holloway. Okay, I have something else that we, I know we're going to talk about the other thing with this one. What? Well, the fact that we've both seen this short short before, but with a different narrator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but but could you imagine a third version of this with Sterling Holloway I know. as the narrator? That would have been fantastic. Uh, oh, sorry. Keep going. I just... I just. Hmm. So one of the reasons that they decided to also push the story because uh, they wanted to boost the popularity of Mickey Mouse. His uh, popularity fell because uh, audiences were more fascinated with like Donald Duck, Goofy, and because they were more exciting. So Well, I, I mean, I hate to say this, but Mickey has always been kind of a milquetoast character, you know? Like well, not Donald, always. Do- Goofy, Goofy's a lovable idiot, and Donald is a it, D- Donald is like a serious anger issues. Well, that's not always true. I think he became more milk toast over time. But originally, oh, he did. Originally, I mean, if you, you remember the old Mickey Mouse cartoons, he was a troublemaker. He, he was very mischievous. Yes, and I think he they try to push that uh, even so they decide <coughs> to make a. Uh, they decided, well, okay, let's push some more Mickey-centric films, and then that came with Brave Little Taylor and The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, yeah. And then, so, when this movie was being made, so if you remember uh, in the film, um, actually, you know what, why don't we describe in detail, and then I can get to these other bits. Like 
the other narration bits. Yeah, let's or let's, discuss that. Uh, but yeah, let's go. Let's go through the film. But uh, basically, it was just going to be a low budget film, and uh, it was going to be about fifteen minutes. And uh, it was actually uh, they had about they had it um, animated uh, um, within like six months, but then. Uh, uh, and then the animated strike in World War II happened, and so they had to put that film on hold. I see. So. Okay. So, this is, um, I mean, you can tell that, you can sort of tell sort of the difference in quality between the two shorts, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel this one. I really feel this I, one in terms yeah. of, like, I love this short. I do, too. This it, is very good. So, Edgar Bergen is telling the story of it is called Happy Valley. Basically, there is a harp. This is the fun and fancy free part. Yeah, so there's this harp that, it's a lady harp, and she sings and helps the plants grow. But then a giant kidnaps her, and uh, her voice, well, because she's been kidnapped, all of Happy Valley, the green goes away, the water dries up, and there's no food. It's a time of great famine and blight in the land. This is what you do when you make a deal with a cursed harp artifact. Yeah. Don't trust it. The, who rules this kingdom? Was the, was the harp the ruler of the kingdom? Did the harp exist in, autonomously in a castle, or did someone own the harp before it was stolen no by the giant? I have no idea. Because the, you never see who rules the kingdom. You just see the harp in the castle window, and I'm wondering if, like... Does it'd be interesting if the harp rolled the play? I hear no. This is this is the part of me that wants to ask the questions that no one cares about. <laughs> Who the heck runs this place? I actually have some details about that, but let me get into. That. Okay. <laughs> so then we get brought in with Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. They are starving. Their ghost business from Ajax Ghost Exterminators didn't <laughs> go very well so after they cleared out that haunted house a while ago. So now they're they're just slumming it in Happy Valley as farmers. And Donald is going insane with hunger to the point that there's a frightening scene where he's trying to kill a cow with an axe. And you're like, hold Donald, Donald's is Donald's eyes, the way they animate his close-ups in some of these bits, are genuinely horrifying. Yeah! Donald's actually a little scary in this, because he looks insane. Oh, God, yeah. And he is insane. They actually play up that he's going, like, mad from hunger. I, it's just... Like, when he starts eating the plates, and he actually reacts to the narration, but Donald doesn't whimper. Donald doesn't give up. And I can't do a Donald impression, but he's just like, shut up! Yeah. <laughs> and he just starts grabbing plates and eating them. He actually he breaks the full fall just because he gets so angry at the narrator. <sighs> I love Donald. I do too. It's great to see Donald here just being angry and desperate and not being a total horn dog like he was in Three Caballeros. Yeah. So, um. Horn duck. It kind of <laughs> switches between the animation and then back to the live action with the puppets. I'm not gonna lie, that's so distracting. It's a little jarring. Yeah, and I don't, I'm, (coughs) it's already annoying that Edgar Bergen and his puppets keep popping up and then commenting on the film. It's just, I don't like it. There's places where the silence could really tell the story, but the narration keeps going, and so do, and and so does the conversation between, uh, you know, uh, Mortimer, Charlie, and uh, Luana, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's not. Eh. It it, it kind of. It's re- pushing it. I'm like, oh come on, just th- this is a good little silent short. You can let a minimal where narration is fine. Mm-hmm. But there's times I'm low on a yell. Shut up. <laughs> so uh, uh, there is a point where um, they decide, oh, let's sell the cow and get money and buy food. <sighs> so. <I'm- laughs> I'm thinking of Goofy singing about all the food they're going to be get to Finicula. And he does that thing where he sings and gets the vibrato and his Adam's apple. Whoa! <laughs> and it punches Donald. God, the, the the slapstick comedy in this is actually good. Uh, Bongo, would... Bongo, you could take some lessons from from this one, so, honestly. So, um... <laughs> Hi, honey. Uh... Uh, Dog now, alert. So, okay, you know how it's supposed to be an original animated film? Yeah. Or, or like a full length? It was supposed to be, yeah. So there was a scene that was cut. What did you notice that you didn't realize? Um, Mickey didn't actually sell the cow. Oh, you never see Mickey actually sell the cow? There is a scene where he actually sells the cow. Oh. But guess who? He, he meets a Honest Ron and Gideon. What? Yep. Oh, that would have been so cool. That would have caught him. Of course they would. Oh, man. 
but then that was one idea. But then there was another idea where Mickey gives the cow to Queen Minnie as oh. a gift. Oh. And then she gives him the magic means. Oh, that would have been cool, too. Yeah. Uh, oh, but then that implies Minnie is the the ruler of the valley. Exactly. And was the one who kept the harp in the first place. That would have been the idea. Oh, uh, that's neat. Mm-hmm. I would have been down for either or. I like the idea that Minnie, like, uh, imagine them gratefully returning Minnie's uh, harp to her and the valley actually being restored. Because we never see, okay, we'll get to that at the end, but we never see the aftermath. No. Okay, so, um... Uh, Mickey says, I tried Mark House for some magic beans. And Donald's pissed. Donald's so mad. He throws the beans away. They go in a hole in the floor. And then um, Edgar Bergen doesn't shut up again until this is actually a really cool scene. This is my favorite part. Yeah. So uh, it's a great musical bit, too. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, the beans fall into their floorboards, but then... Of course, it's uh, at night when they're all asleep, the beanstalk starts to grow. But the way that it grows and it animates... And And it's animated to music. Yeah. And then how it interacts with the characters as they're sleeping. And all the... Both Mickey and and Donald and Goofy are all very... um, Heavy sleepers. Oh, yeah. So, like, it's messing around with it. And it's just... It's it's really good. I love the bit when it's first growing, and the the idea is that the beans grow into a, under when they're planted under a full moon. Mm-hmm. So a full moon comes out, and there's a shaft of moonlight growing on the knot hole in the floor. So when the vines start growing, they grow kind of in and out of this shaft of moonlight. So they kind of dip into the shadows, and the only real lighting in the scene is in that one shaft of moonlight. But then you see them kind of grow back into it, and it's beautifully animated serpentine vines that are slowly coming in and out in and going time with around. the music too it's so good it's like for for animation nerds like us this is a great scene to watch you can see the effort put into it and then not only that there's great slapstick of like oh they're still asleep and then all of a sudden they like uh it picks up their whole house and uh they like uh the bed falls but then they're caught by a leaf or it, it, it's just it's really good animation. Here. Yeah, I don't want to like go into every little detail with that, but it's very good. The comedy there is is, is a lot of fun. And um, then, of course, they wake up. They see a giant castle, and they trek through the land to get there. Fall through some giant footprints. So there's some foreshadowing. Yeah. And Sorry, then- <laughs> I keep. I feel like I keep cutting you off, and I apologize. No, you're fine. No worries, love. Um, and then they're trying to get to the water. There's this great bit with um a dragonfly attacking them, and. Victory through air power happens again. Yep. And uh, Donald, okay, in an anachronistic move, Donald goes like, yeah, bombers. And he goes, with his fingers, and then attracts our attention. And we're like, wait. I know, Gracie. See, I agree, Gracie. It's very anachronistic. How does Donald know what bombers are if they're peasants in a medieval town? I know, right? Unless Happy Valley is just like some weird Amish place. <laughs> So, um, I think this is, I think I want to bring up that there is another version of this story, because this is the part where, so, when they're entering through the giant's castle, they they sneak under a door. Uh-huh. Now, and then there's a funny bit where, like, they're trying to pull Goofy through, and his pants fall down. Um, later, in later versions... The short appears by itself, but it has Ludwig von Drake uh, narrating. Voiced by the late, great Paul Fries. May he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, he speaks at the right moments, and then is quiet during the times where it should just be funny. Now, I remember Ludwig von Drake's a much more, because I've seen that version a lot more. I've also seen that version. Now, with this one, with Edgar Bergen talking, he's talking during this point with the door scene. And it's like, and then there's a point where one of the puppets is like, ah, look, he got caught with his pants down. I'm like, don't explain the joke. Let us enjoy it. That's ugh, frustrating. It's, I'm not a huge, okay, as, as much as I, I'm sure some people really respect Edgar Bergen, I don't think he was the best fit for some of these I, parts. I, I don't think he was the best. His comedy fell kind of flat in some places. I think, you know what? I've never listened to his comedy. It might be amazing. It might be funny. And I, if it, this if he was ahead of its time for the radio, I'd give props to that. 
I don't think he was a good fit for this. Mm, probably not. But so, so um uh they find a, a huge amount of food. Food. And there's some again, great slapstick. It's oh. giant food too, so you got yeah. great bits with giant peas hitting people in the face and Goofy trying to run on Jello to get his hat. I love the creativity that comes into this. This is like I could see how this could be a full length animated feature. I would have watched this as a full length anime, especially if it, uh, Honest John and uh, Gideon appear and they. I'm sorry, the foul fellow. Yeah, I mean, there's so much you could have developed more for this film, honestly. Yeah. Um. Uh, then they actually spot that there is a harp, and she's locked in there, and she explains that um, she was kidnapped by a giant, and basically the giant has stolen her to have her sing him to sleep. Because he's a cruel and selfish giant. And then... Which he has to explain very, like, now listen, Lu- Luana, he's a cruel <laughs> and selfish giant, and that's why he did this thing that's so terrible. Oh, well, he's the villain, isn't he? You know, something like that. Um, he's a shapeshifter. Yeah, the the giant is a shapeshifter, and I love this character. Yeah, so we we they do a shadow. He does a shadow puppet thing, which is kind of neat. And then we see we meet Willie the giant, and and we- <laughs> this is a character that has actually persisted a, a, a little bit in some obscure Disney media because I remember Willie the giant. Yeah, he's just first of all he's very likable. He's kind of got a doofy feel to him, but. Uh, I was, I actually uh, was telling David, do you recognize that voice? He's like, it sounds familiar. I'm like, that's Sneezy. It's Billy Gilbert, <laughs> uh, who play, who originally played Sneezy. And actually, uh, there's a point where you actually uh, hear the giant sneeze. And it's, it's like, oh, yeah, that's totally Sneezy. That's amazing. And actually, that's actually what it's known for. He had a gag with a comic sneeze, so... Well, of course they're gonna. Of course, there's gonna be a bit where they make him sneeze because it's him. Of course, uh-huh. right? Like Gracie's about to sneeze sometimes. <laughs> I got a dog on my lap. It's very nice, and she's snorting. Aww. So, um, he, he ha- comes in fee fi fo fum he hi ho hum, and uh, he spots Mickey. He's like, I could transform into whatever you want, and. Mickey sees a fly swatter and it's like, turn into a fly. He's like, don't you, wouldn't you rather have a bunny? No, I'm going to straight up murder you. Ha ha. So uh, he decides to transform into a bunny instead of a fly, just as he's getting ready to, he and Donald and Goofy are ready to hit him with a fly star. He's like, hey, wait a minute. Picks him up. Uh, then. Uh, he locks them in the, he, he goes to lock them all in the box with the harp, and he takes the harp out of the box, throws them in. Mickey manages to slip out of his hand and hide behind the box. Yep. Which they put, he puts on a high shelf, and then the harp, he, and locks it, puts the key in his pocket, and there's a whole gag bit where the harp sings Goofy, or not Goofy, uh, Willie Willy to sleep. Goofy's in the thing with Donald. I, I love the part when it's like he's trying to go down, and then... Donald is like watching, and there's a boy. Bless <coughs> Sorry, you. I, I that was my Willie, my William. <laughs> there's like a point where like Mickey is does something, and then the uh, the what was it like? Donald sticks his head out and goes what or something like that, and he clonks his head on the top of the like, lock. Oh yeah, because like uh, uh, he's like come on, and then Mickey does a messed up, and then his head bumps up against. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard. You I were. don't know why. It was great. It was very charming. Um, so he and Mickey is able to steal the key uh, from his pocket, and um, I like the harp songs. The harp songs are very good. Who voices the harp? I, it's someone I don't know. I thought I'd recognize the singer. I I don't know who she is. Like I looked her up. Her voice. She got a beautiful voice, though. She does. It's a very. She sings very well. So they get the key. They uh, Don and Goofy are released. They're grabbing the harp and like trying to book it. But then Mickey's like, "Hey, I'm gonna tie his shoes together." So it tricks him. And the Willie's like, "Uh, no, you're not." Yeah, and he wakes up right at that moment. Now, as Goofy and Donald are trying to get the harp away, he chases after Mickey, and Mickey's just like messing with him. And he rides a cork out of the castle, which I think is a very memorable scene. Yeah, that's really like good. He pops a, a big wine bottle and rides not, the cork. Not wine, it's champagne. A champagne bottle. Because it's like a. 
Oh yeah, so it's a big champagne bottle, and he pops it, and it ends up becoming a projectile that flies him out the window and across the little pond they crossed earlier. Of course, Willie's got his big mace. You'd think Willie would shapeshift more to give chase, like he turned into a bird or something, but... Mm. I yeah. guess his shape-shifting powers are limited? I don't know. So, I don't know what the logistics of this ogre are. So Mickey finally climbs down, and there's the point where they're, like, already trying to saw it. Yeah, they're already Mickey. Uh, they're already at the bottom of the beanstalk sawing it, which is really uh, funny. And then uh, beanstalk falls, and Willie falls. Now, th- okay. this is going to be up for debate. Okay, here's our debate. Here's our problem. So... Willie plummets to his death, and they make it clear that he 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 the fall kills him. You don't see him, but you he, you see Mickey, Donald, and Goofy like the earth shake, and you see them like jump at his impact. Um, and then we go back to the 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 puppets and the and our ventriloquist, Mister Bergen, and uh, um, he talks about how the giant. It's died. Just, or, and Snurd's like, oh, it's so sad he died. He's like, just remember, he's a figment of your imagination. He's not real. And then who should come in but Figment the dragon? Wait. No. Aww, I wish. I want. So Willie apparently appears and opens up the uh, <laughs> roof and is asking if he, they've seen a mouse. Bergen faints and he's like, oh, I guess not. And just starts walking through Los Angeles. He picks up the brown, brown derby, derby puts it and on. puts it on. And walks away. Now. Okay, so this. Okay, did he or did he not die? Does he count as one for the plummet counter? Okay. If. As a story on its own. But he comes back a, quite a bit. I don't bit. think. I, I'm going to say it doesn't. I'm going to go uh, ahead and buy. As yeah. much as I want to add Willie the Giant to the plummet counter I list. What do you guys think? Should Willie should Willie be on our plummet counter? I for I think I think <laughs> the thing is I think we can't because he does appear back many times in different films after this. He didn't. Yeah, he he's fine. Willie's fine. It's just a story. Yeah, I know. Okay, and then Jiminy doesn't do anything. He just follows Willie out the window to watch him go terrorize uh, Hollywood. So <laughs> I'm not gonna. This is such a random film. It doesn't connect. I think it's the weakest of the package films so far. I agree. It has one very good short and one short that's kind of all right. And the in-between get bits are pretty forgettable. Yeah. I. You know what? It should have just been... I want to see the full version, the full planned version. I would have loved to see the full planned version of Mickey and the Beanstalk as a feature film. Agree. With, that would have been with great. With Sterling Holloway as an narrator. With Sterling. Okay, so we had. So let's let's talk about the Ludwig. We already talked about Ludwig von Drake's version. Yeah, that's the version I remember seeing as a kid because I rented it on Same. Mickey and the Beanstalk specifically on VHS, and it was they had Ludwig and his friend Herman. He's mm-hmm. a little bug. Yep. And they're telling, and he's telling Herman the story of of the thing, and yeah. Ludwig's narration, I think, is better than than uh, Edward Bergen's. But if it was Sterling Holloway, it would have that subtlety I know. and that great delivery that we got in Peter and the Wolf. I know. It would have been amazing. Lucky for us, we're, we're going to get a lot more Sterling Holloway. I'm very happy about which this. Which makes me happy. The other thing I was going to ask you, actually, Kayla, is, uh, is, the, is Walt still doing the voice of Mickey at this point? Uh, no. Apparently, he... Half the time in that film he does, but then uh, it's another actor during this time because Walt became very busy. Right, that makes sense. So this is actually one of, I think it's actually the last film that he does where he voices Mickey Mouse. Really? Yeah, this is his last. This is Walt's swan song is Mickey, and he doesn't even get to be Mickey the entire time. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so we should probably establish who's the new voice of Mickey then, eventually. Uh, The new voice of Mickey is... It's Jimmy McDonald. Okay. Um, actually, he quotes, The animators and the director in charge of the sequences that needed Walt's voice on Mickey approached him and said, Walt, we need you on stage for uh, Mickey and the Beatstock. He says, I'm too busy. I, can't, I just can't do it. Call Jim up. So that's his final <laughs> Beanstalk performance. And then um, eventually uh, it goes to Wayne Allwine, who... How long was uh, McDonald... Uh, Mickey for though. Um, I don't. So so he it, it went Walt Disney, Jimmy McDonald, then Wayne Allwine. Yeah, he he performed uh, basically until 1977, and then okay. Wayne Allwine took over for. Wow, there's only been like we we have a new Mickey now. Yeah, it the new one is Brett uh, Ewan. Brett Ewan. Brett Ewan. Sorry. 
No, that looks right. No, you you were pronouncing it. I'm just trying. I'm just trying a different ones. That's actually really impressive. We've only had four Mickey Mouse's. Yes, counting Walt. That's interesting. I thought there would have been more Mickey's in between. Yeah, same. But I mean, it, it's kind of like with uh, um, any big name character. If one person can't carry it on, eventually someone has to take his place. Makes you wonder what they're going to do when Charles Martinet can't do Super Mario anymore. No, don't do that. Don't, no. <laughs> no, don't. I, I hope Charles has a long and <laughs> prestigious career continuing onward as, as Mario. But he's been doing it since 1996. So, um, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, I was just curious. So, let's talk about... The reviews? The reception for this movie, because... They were mixed. Okay. So the same thought as uh, as us, it felt like it didn't fit, like they didn't fit together. It just felt very... The framing device didn't work to set everything up. Like, Saludos Amigos, our first package film, had a great frame. It, it was did. all about It was all about South America. Yes. Then Three Caballeros, also great framing device. Uh, Donald's uh, birthday. Yeah. And then uh, the third one... Make mine music... And, which is, it feels like, it's kind of like Fantasia. There's so many of them that, and it all has to do with musicals. Mm-hmm. That, and because each, at least each uh, piece has a musical connection to it, it works. Uh-huh. This, it's supposed to be fun and fancy free, but it doesn't feel like that full of it's full of fun and fancy fancy free but much in the same way i was kind of criticizing jiminy just being like let's not sweat the big stuff let's just have it be fun and fancy free it it just feels kind of devoid of there's something there's something missing it is and Uh while the shorts are fine standalone especially mickey and the beanstalk uh there's just they're, they have no connection and the framing device doesn't do a great job putting them together jiminy's just there yeah, um, basically to serve as a host, and he he will go on to do more, and I think he does better job at some of the other ones coming up. I'm no fool, no siree. I'm going to live to be 93. I'll play safe for you and me, because I'm no fool. <laughs> I know he does that short Aww. down the line. Gracie tries to sing with you. Aww. She's not a cricket. She can't do it. Um... But, um, I mean, there are positives, I could say, for each of the shorts. Oh, absolutely. Like we've, like we've been doing. But, yeah, so that so people agreed it was kind of mixed. And Yeah, they had mixed reviews on it. But I, I, the one thing i got to give appreciation for is it did make enough money to eventually make some amazing films. And, like Cinderella. And it did bring us um, Mickey and the Beanstalk, which is a... It really is a fantastic short. It's really great to see. I, I, you know, this would carry on a, a good trend of Mickey, Donald, and Goofy being our, our uh, intrepid trio as they just go on, on a weird, crazy misadventures. They have a great dynamic, those three. Yeah, and I, I'm glad to see that again, too. I, it Like, the last time we saw that was... Oh, my gosh. Was it Lonesome Ghosts? I think Pot so. Pot cleaners? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of great shorts with the three of them. Um, and I'm thinking of some of the earlier ones, but I know they've had adventures since then. There's the one where Pete, like, is trying to force them to, like, move their furniture out of the house. Mm-hmm. And that, they get into a whole situation there. Man, we could, if we, this was a different show, we could talk about the shorts, but that would take a million years. Oh, yeah. So we're just going to stick to our feature animated films. Thank you very much. Um... However, um, honestly, I'm glad that it had the success it did financially because we it did go on to support projects that I think were bigger and better. Yeah. Um, so our next f- film coming up, uh, we got number five of the package films, which is uh, Melody Time. Which I'm I kind of looking forward to. Uh, yeah. I, to be honest, I've never seen Melody Time. But I think I know the framing device, and I think I really like that framing device. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I won't. Don't, I won't do, say anything yet. But. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna try deliberately not to look at anything until we've actually watched it. But yeah. Oh, so everybody can look to that in March. And hey, I'm putting this out there again because I clearly. Some people have not been following through. If you have anything you want us to look into, any questions about our upcoming film, Melody Time, you know where to reach us. Do you not know where to reach us? Well, just give a little whistle. Uh, actually, thank you. Uh, well, you can find us at Animusings Pod on Twitter. That's actually one of the best places to reach us. We uh, keep an eye on that one all the time. You can also reach our email. 
at animusingpodcasts at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. No ad at the beginning. Just, no, 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 no. That's no. At, we, we always. I, 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 we probably should have said that one first, and then our Twitter handle is at AnimusingsPod. So, <laughs> sorry about that. But yeah, uh, feel free to reach out uh, if you want to talk to us about Disney movies. We would love to talk to you about Disney movies. We are very open. And- if you want to talk to me about theme parks, <laughs> I'll talk about theme parks. That's where my Orochi fandom comes from. It's why I make the freaking parks reference at the beginning of every gosh darn episode of this show but look at you now you're starting to become a disney film expert yeah well thanks to you i mean we embarked on this project together and by gum we're gonna finish it together it's gonna be amazing all right so uh until march uh stay full of fun and fancy free y'all and remember the ocean is going to gobble us all up so uh Keep looking for alternative fuel sources. Wait, what? Feeding peckish this midnight? Seat your appetite for terror and reserve your ears for a feast of the sound. The Midnight Marinara Podcast is here for you, intrepid listener. We sample only the finest and sinister stories and, quoting them with our own unique spooky sauce, present them to you as airy audio dramas. Tune in as Midnight Marinara sends shivers of fear and spasms of laughter through you. Bon appétit. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.